And now we are on. So, Henrique, welcome. Thank you. For Thank you. Thank, Thank you, my man. Thank you for having me, by the way. It's okay. a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward. We already had a small chat like back in Kim's group and now uh, we rode back and forth and you gave me some great advice on food. So I just wanted to start out exactly with what did you give me the advice for? Why do you know so much about food? Yes. So first of all, uh, I've been for the past seven years, I've been a, a cook. That's what I've been doing. Uh, and uh, before that, I was studying biology. I did my bachelor's in biology, my master's in evolutionary and development biology. And uh, in my master's, I actually studied, uh, I actually went to work in an obesity lab. So it was basically a lab that was studying obesity and metabolism. So that's when I start getting more into nutrition itself. Uh, and then for also for my for for me, it was uh, I always had this passion for sports. It's a big thing in my family. Uh, so I always well, we all, I was always very big on sports. I was doing climbing since the age of five. Um, I did uh, basically every single radical sport that you can uh, possibly imagine. I already did it. Everything with the board, I already did it. I did windsurf, skate, surf, snowboard. Um, I trained in the gym for more than 15 years. Uh, so that's a big part of my life, you know. Um, so regarding what we were talking, we were talking actually about intermittent fasting. Uh, it was something that I experimented uh, for three months, you know, uh, although it's a little bit difficult for a cook to do intermittent fasting, especially when you start uh, in the restaurant at eight in the morning uh, and you have to go around and taste everything. Uh, but I did it. Um, I was able to do it. And uh, what I saw myself is, um, as I was telling you before uh, we started this, was that the first two to three weeks was extremely difficult for, my, for me, um, especially because your body is used to have food as main source of energy. And it's also very difficult for your brain to comprehend this because for your brain, the only source of energy that they that it can use is, is um, glucose, it's sugar. That's the only, like, so he, he cannot process uh, fat uh, because our body can process fat, we can take energy from fat, but our brain can't. Uh, so when you stop eating sugar or any food, if we're talking about intermittent fasting, and I was doing fasting for 16 hours in a day, um, you're gonna feel it, especially in your head, you know? You get super moody, anything was an attack, it was crazy. Uh, but like after that, what I started to see uh, was that I got extremely uh, clear minded. Um, I saw that I was more focused, my energy levels were more constant. Uh, because also since I was not eating that much sugar, um, I didn't have big insulin spikes, I didn't have big crushes. Um, and uh, I saw my energies energy way more constant. Um, and after that was just a smooth sailing, you know. But of course, after a while I had to stop because I'm a cook. So it, it came to a point that was not sustainable for me, uh, especially when I start managing uh, teams. That was me, it was completely impossible because 
I had to taste every single thing uh, in the menu. Um, and also after intermittent fasting, it was not that nice, uh, I must say, uh, because your body doesn't, it's, it's like I start tasting a lot of stuff. So it's like I taste a little bit of a dessert and then I taste a little bit of a starter and then I taste a little bit of a, of a main and it's like mixing sugars and fats and, and yeah. that, that just, it's just a, a huge war inside. Um, but yeah, I, I needed to stop. So, so yeah, that was basically it. Um, but for me, it was a, it was a, actually a very good. Um, I think it's a very good uh, regime uh, to do, uh, especially if you look through aging. Um, it's something that it's proven times and times and times. Like it's already like super proven uh, with a lot of papers, with a lot of peer review papers. Uh, independent studies that shows actually that um, when you fast for a long time, this kind of puts your body in a kind of a stress. When he, he uh, when it's, uh, and what happens is that your body gets uh, forced to use whatever he has to to survive, to to be able to function. So he will start um eating the the cells that you don't need the the cells that just are there without any purpose uh, yeah. so it's actually this this helps a lot against cancer and tumors and everything yeah. exactly. uh, going on yeah. so th these can't grow because the body needs to devour them right yeah exactly exactly so cells that usually and this has to do with uh the the the, the gene programs in cells, sometimes there's um, a mutation or or it gets um, or, or a transgenic cell. Usually you have mutation and transgenic, like mutation is the absence of a gene and transgenic is a overly express, uh, expression of a gene. And usually that's what uh, cancer is, is you have like these kind of factors in cells that are overly expressed and what happens is that they start proliferating in a crazy way um, and that's cancer. It's just an uh, overproliferation of uh, cells. Uh, so if you are fasting, what happens is that, as you said, your body needs every single resource available. So you will just start eating all of those cells. Uh, also, it puts you in a, a certain stress that actually uh, protects you from aging big time. Um, and they saw that people that tend to fast their telomeres is like this part of uh, of chromosomes. It's like the top part of chromosomes. Yeah, the, the last one, right? Yeah, it's like uh, the top part of chromosomes that are protecting basically the chromosomes from degrading. Um, they, uh, the shortness, uh, they saw that People that fast, the, um, the telomeres stay uh, relatively healthy throughout life, more than people that are used to eat quite a lot. Um, so it's a different type of stress. You know, it's like one, it's a stress, basically a stress of survival. And another one is stress by um, by overly um, overly eat uh, things that are not good for your body, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially in today's uh, society where you're just completely um, 
pushed like fast food because you are busy, you need something fast, you need to something delicious. So you have like this just created like man created foods uh, with full of preservatives and and what so. I had a horrible experience when I was staying back in the UK this summer. It was really, really hard to find anything to eat that was somewhat healthy, that was not processed. Like all the restaurants, pubs, cafes, bars, everything was so overprocessed. Uh, I literally felt sick when eating. Like I could notice me feeling less and less of my body. Um, which was really frustrating at that time. So I also started like <laughs> yes. fasting throughout as much as I could. Uh, I mean, I do love junk food. I, I do love the taste of it, but honestly, I don't. Uh, like when I when I eat it and I feel bad after, it's yeah. not serving anyone. Of course, but that's that's what they want, you know. Like that's why food is like propelled with MSG, um, with synthetic MSG, because there's good MSG that natural. There are Present what? mushrooms, tomatoes. Um, what? What is what is MSG? MSG is um, uh, uh, monosodium uh, glutamate, uh, and it's uh, it's something that is responsible for delicious. Basically, it's the, the depth of flavor that it's called. Um, it's like our sixth sense. It was and it was actually studied scientifically and was was a Japanese um, just uh, Japanese uh, scientist that this this study that showed that uh, we can feel taste, but we not only taste like salty, uh, sweet, but also the depth of flavor. Um, and you can, for example, if you eat a good ramen, it's like you're just salivating and you don't know and it's just like you want to keep eating. That's because of MSG. You know, and that's why Chinese food is so good because they have MSG and MSG is basically like salt on crack. You know, it's like you <laughs> just put it on food and it's just this explosion of depth of flavor. Um, and that's what MSG is. And it, it's called uh, the sense is called umami. Yeah. So when you say like something is umami, it's like something is as depth in flavor, you know, and when you extract umami, usually Naturally, you do broths and infusions, usually with dry, uh, with dry fish or with dry uh, mushrooms. Like usually, it's dry mushrooms, uh, tomato. That's why Italian food is so fucking delicious yeah. because it's a lot of tomato, and tomato is super rich in MSG. Um, and yeah, and um, there's a lot of places where yeah, you can get MSG, but yeah, but usually what happens is that you you can extract it and you can actually do it uh, synthetically and you have like this white powder that look almost like a refined uh, salt and that you can put it on food and anything that you put it on it's going to taste delicious and that's what like happens your, with your, your secret as a cook like if you mess it up you just put on msg and then it's yes. all good. <laughs> yes like oh i fuck up with a recipe no problem 10 percent msg <laughs> Thanks for sharing your state secret with us. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I could I imagine. MSG. I don't use MSG. No, no, I, but uh, what I wanted to say, this is, of course, all a joke, but uh, what's not a joke is, I mean, you fasting and then doing um, the cooking, that sounds like a, a lot of willpower needed. Um, I mean, I'm also fasting right now and, and everything food related, I just put it away so I don't have to look at it, I don't have to smell it, and then 
it's much more easier. But if you have like to do with handle food all day and also maybe even try to taste it or smell it or, or that I imagine that being really, really hard on you. It's, it was quite hard, but for me, I had some tricks because actually I knew that I was going to eat around 1 p.m. Uh, so for me, I was already um, I was already with that in mind. So it was like for me, it's like, OK, I'm going to eat at 1 p.m. It's not that serious. It's not like do that. You're like fasting uh, many, many days in a row. Uh, I already knew that in that day I was going to eat. So I was just like being busy. And also that's very easy in the kitchen because uh, you have to be really fast and you always have to be pushing as hard as you can. So it's like you almost don't have time to eat. And every time that I needed to taste something, I wouldn't, I wouldn't taste. I didn't say nothing. I was just giving to my chef and say, oh, look, what, uh, what do you think? I tasted, but I, I, I'm not sure what do you think. And they wouldn't even notice. It was like, oh, it misses a little bit of salt. And I'm like, okay, a little bit more salt. And uh, how about now? And like, oh, okay, it's good. Okay, done. Yeah. And then I wouldn't eat, you know? Good. But uh, uh, yeah, I had to be a little bit sneaky on that. Yeah. No, amazing. So, so to summarize, basically, uh, to do this, you had to find a little small solutions and then just like intermittent fasting is great first for uh, just overall health. Then you get to kill all those cells, right? That uh, could be cancerous, could be tumors, could be just any stupid cells the body doesn't need. And then you even uh, stop the process of aging because people who would be intermittent fasting, uh, their telomeres in the chromosomes would like stay around the same length and not get shorter and shorter compared to the ones that were eating unhealthy. Yeah, or eating at all, like eating at all, uh, because actually we are not designed to have this exposure to food. Uh, if you think while back, because that's the thing, like although our minds evolved pretty fast and we have like all of this technology and it's insane if you think about it, like we're talking through like a tiny thing, you know, like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy. Uh, but it's like our bodies didn't develop, you know, like well, our bodies are still basically the same as hundreds of thousands of years. Um, and we are designed. If you, and if you see all nature, like you don't know when it's going to be your next meal. Uh, it's something that you and that was how we were doing. We were hunters and gatherers uh, before we start getting a uh, sedentary and we find the agriculture and, uh, and all of those things uh, we were just basically hunting and gathering so what we usually do it was like we had like these big hunts uh, we were like killing bisons and like these huge animals and we were eating like maybe like five or six thousand uh, calories in a day or even more really uh, like we were eating a lot but then we know that we don't know if we're if we're gonna eat tomorrow or three days from there or four days from there. We don't know, you know. So it was always our bodies are used to that, and that's how we were designed to. You also, it's like we are able to 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 withstand a lot a long period without eating, not drinking water, but to to eat. It's it's uh, we can go we, we can go. A lot of time, you know. That's, that's super interesting for me because uh, I really got into cycling like a year ago, and I 
really try to push it. And then um, I wasn't aware that I could like go for these really, really long periods of times because I knew like, okay, daily calories for a grown up man would be at my weight around two and a half thousand calories, right? So if I wanted to stay in shape and then I would go on the bike and then I would easily do a ride that was like four or five or 6,000 calories. And I was like, where does this energy come from? Like if, if this is like my daily dose, but then easily I could have also me had meals that are maybe just one meal, two on, or two and a half thousand calories. I can't imagine eating like five or six in a day. <laughs> this I really can't imagine. Yeah, because it's a... Did it? I don't know. Because you, you like that's the thing. Like we, we have we have different metabolisms. Every single of uh, of us has different metabolisms. Um, it's something very very personal. It has to do with your genetics, with with a lot of things, with a lot of factors. Um, and for example, for me, just to maintain myself, I have to eat at least twenty eight hundred at least. Um, but uh, because I'm very active. And if you think that when we were hunters and gatherers, um, we were always walking uh, long, long, long miles. And that's how we do it. Uh, that's how we um, we were able to win all our fights and hunt these big, big animals. Because animals are not used to like uh, walk thousands and thousands of kilometers, you know, uh, especially if they are being hunted. They want to run as fast as possible. So we will just was basically a game of who lasts longer. So if you imagine that and if you're walking hundreds and hundreds of kilometers per day and you're hunting and you, that you need a lot of power, a lot of energy, uh, you're spending a lot of calories, you know, and that can easily usually your better based metabolic rate for an adult. They say that it's 2000 calories. Um, uh, and that means your basal basal metabolic rate is basically you're sitting in, in your sofa, you don't do nothing, and you're just sitting there. You're spending 2,000 calories per day just by being seated. Um, so if you're relatively active, that can go up very very fast. Um, so of course, if you're spending like 3,000, 4,000 calories. You can eat all of those calories because also you have, since you're fasting, what happens is like you can bench eat three or four uh, thousand calories, but then you're going to be like two or three days without like any calories. So it's like, and then your body will be able to um, to utilize those calories. The problem with uh, today's society is that we can consume those same amount of calories, but we don't do the enough work to burn off those calories. And what happens, it's we get obese, you know. And I'm guessing also it's it's the quality of the foods, right? Because I big time. Um, and also even the times where where they've been eaten. I also had the experience. I was a lot of doing um, intermittent fasting, but I didn't do it on purpose. Like I just watched how I feel and what was needed, and then I would just like start skipping breakfast and sometimes I would not have time to go for lunch or I was like too lazy I was middle in a project and I was like okay I want to do this or I didn't have time so I would even skip lunch and then all I would do is like maybe a small pre-dinner and a dinner or a big pre-dinner and a smaller snack after uh, so I also had like these sometimes 20 hours um, 
even cycles of not eating anything. Well, at the time I was smoking, so I didn't feel any kind of hunger or other kind of craving, uh, which dampened it. So I do not suggest doing that at all. Uh, but definitely it was something that I think I've been doing for a long time and I was putting on weight. Uh, and I think it was because I was eating so late in the evening uh, that my body was just like taking everything that it could take because the whole day I went hungry and then I would just like lie down the whole evening and then we would just collect everything. So I really managed to to just get a lot of belly fat, like nothing else, but just a lot of belly fat. Yeah. But that's that's what happens with with our with us, you know. Like we always tend to have like more belly fat, because that's where our fat storage is in terms of males. It's in the the fat, like more the girls eat more. It's more in the hips. Um, but it's a, uh, but yeah, and that ha also happens because by night our metabolism is a little bit slower, you know. So this um, also has to do with it because then. Uh, you're not metabolizing the food that you're eating as fast, and that means that the food that you're eating is uh, being um, turning to energy. Uh, so, if your metabolism is slow, that means that a lot of food is not being um, turning to energy, and then they have to be stored in your body. And that, and how our body stores is through fat. So, and then we get like the, the dead bot, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the tiny belly, like the, 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 the belly. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, it was also very interesting because no matter how much I exercised, I wouldn't really put on much muscles. And I didn't get why, because I thought, yeah, you know, if I eat protein or whatever, um, I can have a good steak and it, it will work out, but it didn't. And I also found out it's because I wasn't eating regularly because I was just like having one or two big meals a day and the rest nothing. And the body doesn't take up protein in the same way as it does carbohydrates or fat. Uh, it can, uh, as far as I know, only take up around 30 grams per meal. Uh, and so this is like the whole, uh, whole collection that I have for the day or for two days or how often I would eat proteins actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, but it's a um, but yeah, but like in terms of eating two meals a day, that's not a big problem, um, because that's the thing. Like um, to lose weight, you only need one thing: is to be on a calorie caloric deficit. Um, so it doesn't matter actually what you're eating. Um, in terms of fat, by the way, it's not in terms of health. Of course not. If you you can eat like um, uh, 400 of uh, veggies, or you can eat 400s of 400 calories of Twinkies, but it's like <laughs> it's gonna be totally different. Uh, you know, like the results in terms of outside is gonna be the same, but you know, definitely, uh, definitely. Uh, this is this is of course something to consider, but uh, I, I've had never had a Twinkie in my life. Just me neither. Me neither. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that it's like I, it, for me that's completely alien food. I see that and I'm like, mm, this doesn't like I don't know nothing in nature that looks like it. You know, it's it's like <laughs> where Maybe the hell a fish without eyes and without uh, anything, just like a, a a blob. You know, 
Yeah, exactly. It's like a, like I don't know. It's like a fish stick type of looking thing, but with like cream in the middle, and it's I don't know. It's uh, it's something that it, it's not appealing whatsoever to me, you know. And then I always see the packages, and the packages are always oily. Uh, okay. And I was like, mm -hmm, I don't think this is a good option for me to have, you know. Um, it's just packed, pack a very well packed cancer at that point. <laughs> you know? Like here, your dose of cancer. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, I mean, it it is horrible, and um, it used to be also really, really hard uh, to find good food. Now that people are getting into awareness, and we have much more. Uh, like this health movement, people are looking for non-processed foods, for vegetables, for actually really quality stuff. And it's much easier to find in restaurants, but also just like in supermarkets. Yeah. Uh, I would say like 20 years ago was very different. Oh, yeah, big time, big time. And you didn't have that much information as you, as you had today, you know. You can go easily to the internet, open Google Scholar, um, and type anything, you're going to have like a bunch of scientific uh, papers that you can actually read. Uh, and they are open source, most of them. Uh, only like the big, big ones is like, I think you can find like really good papers. You have like PLOS, PLOS One. They are very good, um, very good uh, re resources for papers. They are very, very good uh, um, quoted in, um, in the, the magazines, in the scientific magazines. And they usually and most of them are are free. Uh, of course, if you go to Cell or Nature, these are like big names in in scientific field. You're gonna pay and you're gonna pay good. But you can always find good papers. So I think it's it's a matter of the people when people start getting more inclined to that um, to be more healthy, they can easily find that information. It's not like a couple of years ago. It's like I need to be healthy. How? What can I do? Is like, and you don't know because you, you don't have, no one telling you what to do, or so it's just like you just do whatever, you know. Uh, and also the options are very, very um, restricted. So it's like uh, uh, you can only eat whatever you have, you know. Like, um, and now I think people are getting more in tune with that, and they are looking for better options, you know. And I especially see it here in Amsterdam. Uh, people here have a, like huge focus on that. You know, like you see, if you go to the supermarket, you always see people with veggies on their um, in their shopping carts. Always a lot of veggies, a lot of fruits, um, and 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 you see that that it's part of their um, routines already. You know, people are already looking for healthy things. You know. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. You know, uh, regarding these studies and, and papers that you can find online, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's like a big name in the uh, meditations and guided meditation stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if this is a peer-reviewed paper yet, but I know that he also talks about the telomeres actually getting longer if you do meditation on a regular basis. Mindfulness or concentration based? This I don't know, but I think he's he's into mindfulness uh, meditation. 
I, I didn't go into detail on that one, but it was just interesting for me to to hear. I think it was like a short article or, or a short from video or something where they were talking about that this part um, of the chromosomes actually gets longer uh, and it has been proven to get longer when doing regular meditation. Yeah, that's super interesting, by the way. I didn't know that. But if I think about it and I was thinking about it, it actually makes sense because it's, and that's why I said like mindfulness meditation or concentration based, because if you're doing mindfulness um, and that's what we've been doing right in TM, it's uh, is that you tend to release a lot of the stress and a lot of the anxieties and all of those things that actually produces a lot of stress in your body, especially anxieties and um fear and like they raise our cortisol that it's the stress hormone like like to skyrocket like the concentration of cortisol gets skyrocket and that has a very very big impact in our body although cortisol can be very helpful and that's why the reason the reason we get up in the morning is because of spikes of cortisol um, yeah, that's the that's the thing to get up in the morning and just look at the sun. I think that's Andrew Huberman that uh, yes. uh, proposes this to do it every day. Just go for ten minutes, look at the sunlight. If you can't get like direct sunlight, uh, go grab a lamp or something. But just to get this cortisol spike that will um, balance out your day and and your rhythms. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's um, and that's that, that's that's game changer. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, what's what's funny is cortisol is actually dampening the immune system, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, but sometimes, like when I was a kid and I would get up in the morning, I would have to sneeze a lot and, um, you know, just have like this reaction. And it was like maybe the first half an hour or maybe first hour and then it would go away. Does this have to do something with cortisol? Yeah, I'm not sure that I cannot answer. <laughs> I don't know. I was just I was just curious because I've no, nobody uh, I've talked to nobody about it and just like right now I realized yeah that's that's a thing. And I know that usually like how you wake up is your cortisol level, levels spike up then you wake up and then they kind of stabilize for for the first 45 minutes and after that you have another big spike and then you start getting uh, lower and lower and lower um, levels uh, and that's why it's usually advisable not to drink coffee in the first 40 to 45 minutes before you after you wake up because caffeine will um, it's basically a stimulant, you know, like it will stimulate you. And what happens is like you drink coffee when you wake up, you have a spike of energy, but then right after you have cortisol coming and then it's like this and you have like a huge dip. It can and it can go like even um even more down you know and then it's when you have like those dips in the morning like oh, i don't want to go to work oh, it's like and it's like hard for you to move even um that's because of that but what happens is like you have this 45 minute window and when you have like a big spike and then after that you will gradually go down and you have a, the first low around 4 p.m and after that you go even down and down and down, and then you have like the biggest low of cortisol levels is around 9 p.m. And that's usually when people start to get sleepy. If you're like a healthy person and you have like a very, um, and if your uh, circadian rhythm is um, on point, 
Usually around 9 p.m. you will start feeling very, very sleepy. And by 10 p.m. you're out, you know. Um, and then and once again, then the, the drops of cortisol goes like completely to basal level uh, while you're sleeping. Um, and then you had like coming uh, to the to the picture. Um, uh, uh, the, the sleep hormone like what is happening is uh, melatonin um, and uh, enters and then it's that's what gives you the the dream patterns um, and then after that of course you have the spike of cortisol in the morning and and this is this the cycle you know it's like cortisol goes up and then down then up and then down and this it's what makes us um, basically wake up the problem is with stress those let that cycle gets kind of uh, messed up um, and you start getting spikes of cortisol everywhere. And this is like basically, yeah, it's like almost the sensation when we were talking about TM, about this oscillating because between um, hope and despair, you know, like the, it's basically this, it's like just cortisol levels just going up and down, up and down, up and down, because then you have also other hormones getting into to that, like you have dopamine, serotonin, that, and all everything is linked, um, and the the cocktail of hormones that uh, gives you fulfillment it gets completely fucked, and then you're just entering this propelled state of apathy or depression or whatever. That's crazy. I'm learning so much here, by the way. Like um, this is so so much condensed knowledge. Just better my life. Better my life. Learn how to do it. Yeah, it's always good to share also, <laughs> you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really enjoy it. Like just listening to you, uh, you have a very, um, very good flow. Like when you get into it, you're in it, man. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, my man. Thank you. Uh, thank you that, that uh, you're taking also so much value, you know. Um, that's what, that, that's what I, I liked, you know, like uh, to be able to, to contribute um, to this and to... Spread some knowledge, you know, and get some knowledge out of it also. So thanks a lot. Yeah, it was not only you that is learning, you know, I also learned. I, did, I didn't even know about the, the meditation, you know, now I'm just going to meditate even more, you know, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, although I'm meditating every single day, but like maybe I will uh, ramp it up, you know, just to see how far I can go. I don't know, 300 years, 400 years old. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is also another question that's we have no idea how old we are going to get. Yeah, I know. What Not the hell is I, going to change? I heard a, um, a TED talk, I don't remember from whom, but it was pretty pretty big name in aging. And he said, he started the talk saying that 90% of the people that are in the seminar room, um, it is highly possible that in the next few years they will be able to live until 200 to 300 years old. I don't I don't remember the exact uh, canon of the TED talk. I saw this quite a while ago, but um, but then he went more in depth. I, I will try to find it and I, and I, if I find it, I will send it to you. But it's it was crazy. Like like this thing just gets got completely uh, in my head. Because it just said like this is we're gonna be completely normal. If you think about it, 200 years from today, uh, if you look 200 years back, 
the average um, the average lifespan was around 40 years old, 35 to 40. Um, so it's crazy. Like mm. 200 years, we double that. Easy. Like so, it's easy to double up again if you and if you think that our average is now around. Uh, so I think it's like 76 or 78 for men and 83 for women. Um, if you double that, it's only for women. It's already like 160, you know. But yeah. You've already to 160, and you have like countless, uh, countless um, records of people that live to 100, 110, 111, um, and they are super healthy, you know. Um, but yeah. It's it's crazy when you think about it. Actually, very very crazy. The, the times are changing. I was uh, living with a guy who did his doctorate in chemistry, and he also showed me like this uh, study, or it was an article that was published in a magazine. And he showed us one evening, and he was like, "This is going to change the world." Um, and there was even some dark stuff in it, like uh, what was happening already, but. Uh, apparently there are already people doing it. Like they are already prolonging their lifespan. And um, I was even thinking, you know, in, in the Bible, uh, just in the beginning, they're writing about these guys who were 900 years old, 800 years old, and the next one was 600 years old. And I was just thinking, wasn't it maybe just like a genetic thing that they had some kind of mutation that wouldn't allow them to like uh, age like other people do, because this was just like one line of kings um, that that got to be this old. I think it's possible. Theoretically, it is possible. If I think about it, I think it's 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 it, it, it is feasible. It's um, something that can actually happen. If you have like an abnormal mutation or or overly express sudden gene and then that's transmitted to your offspring, I think that's that's way um, way way possible. Yeah, and I think you even see it today. Like if you see like usually people that live longer, their offspring also lives longer. You know, of so course, if, of course, if you, you if you fuck up a lot, then it's you will have repercussions, of course. You, 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 like your grandparents can live 100 years old, but if you're always uh, consuming alcohol, drugs, and whatever, you're gonna die way, way sooner. But if you, if you live a normal life and you're uh, conscious about what you're putting um, in your body, I think it's it's very very feasible to just go very long because that's also what happens with aging. Um, if you see uh, mortality in a, in a graph, what you tend to see is that along the li uh, life, basically, you start in a very basal li uh, line and it starts to get like slowly, slowly up. And when you get to, to, the, to the age of 50 years, it goes like completely spikes up, like massively. Uh, and that's when you see most of the cancers, especially because that's what what happens with cancer is because we were we never uh, lived long enough to have cancer. That so cancer was not something, you know. Really an issue, yeah. Yeah, because you're living, especially in a, like middle age, like 1200s, 1300s, people were living until like 30 years old max. 
yeah. I mean, you so, would get married with 12, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, if we were in middle age, we probably will be dead by now. <laughs> you know, it's crazy when you think about it. No, but when I was little, I, I thought that my life will be over with 30, right? I, I really thought, you know, quality of life and everything after 30, it's over. Like, look at my parents, it's over. Yeah. And now I'm 30 and I'm like, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning, you know. But uh, but yeah, if you see, like, usually 50 years, it goes like big spike. And then what happens is like you have like this spike that goes like imagine like here. And then you just see that the, the line just propels like over this and it almost no, there's almost no growth. So um, if you take the right actions, what happens is like if you are able to maintain a really good form until 50, 52 years old and you don't have nothing that uh, uh, nothing that are like especially genetic wise, uh, if you have not if you don't have any predisposition to to develop certain diseases, um, you will see that you will get like um, you'll get in like this steady f state um, and you can go like very, very long, you know. I see that with my grandparents, you know, they're like uh, 80, 84 now. Okay. And they're like super healthy, like super healthy. Of course, they have uh, uh, problems in their health. They are not that healthy as us because, of course, we're talking 83 years of a heart that it's beating every single day, a lung that it's inflating and deflating every single day. Of course, it will get um, some problems, but um, they are like sharp as hell, you know. Still, my my grandparents, like, he has the mentality of a 20-year-old, you know, uh, and it's crazy. Uh, sometimes I have to, to say, like, Grandpa, just don't do that, you know, just uh, chill. You are 83. Um, and I, I, for example, we were like, um, he take us to this place, like in the middle of um, of the forest in Portugal, and you have like these cliffs. And me and my brother would love to go, like, climb the cliffs and just jump. Um, and I remember my my grandparent took us by by on his boat there, and the first thing that he did, and this was he was like 76, 77 by that time. He decided that he wanted to climb that cliff just to show us. Uh, that was doable and I'm like what the hell are you doing grandpa you were like 76 and you're like walking in this like sl very slippery thing and it's like if you fall it's it's done you know like also you, you cannot heal as good as us it's like you're not 20 years old you don't need to prove us you know nothing it's like ah, well, I'm not proving you I'm proving myself that I can do it and he's like trying to grab like huge logs of wood and just throw them to the cliff like he was like some superman and I'm like grandpa don't just don't okay you're not 20 and it's like no 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 I, I am I am I am yeah crazy I mean this is like the epitome of resistance of aging uh, and I think we all have it right yeah at a certain point nobody wants to have their birthdays and uh, we don't want to talk about the age I mean it's even societal right um, and and I've noticed it big time also with my mom recently we uh, were looking to buy a house for her and like where she would like to live and she really wants to live like back in the mountains you know some village high up there and then she was like yeah you know I could have like this house that's 
half an hour from everything and it would be great. And I'm like, yeah, but you wanted to live there when you retire. Like, how long will you be able to live there? You know, I can walk. Like, I love walking. It's not a problem for me to go for long walks. And I'm like, you can do those walks whenever you want, but maybe it would be easier to have a house that's not just not like half an hour up there. And if you have to do like shopping, you, you need to walk half an hour into the village, then do the shopping and then carry all the shoppings with you up there because she doesn't want to drive a car. Right. So I'm like, you can do it right now, but like in 20 years. So mm, and there was so much resistance of no, I can do it. I'm sure that there will be no difference in me when when I age, right? Everything just has to stay the same and will stay the same. And I'll take care of it that it does stay the same. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Meditating also helped me a lot. Just, you know, um, accept that it's all going to not stay the same. Yeah, of course. Of course. Because that's what that's that's the the classic example of um, of attachment and, and resistance, you know, like you are attached to a certain way and you're resisting the other aspect of it. It's like you're attached to feeling young and resisting the, the part that you're getting old. And it's this duality inside of you that just propels the, the, this, this fucked up state inside of you, you know, and then it will start affecting the core experience of yourself and, and then you feel bad. And then, yeah, and then you see that you are resisting of, about being old, but the problem is that you are being, you are getting old. Like there's no way of running from it, you know? And yeah, then what happens. It's a fact. And, yeah, and what happens is like you see that you're not performing as you were performing. So you start feeling bad about not performing. And then you start, and it's just like this propelled state of like just start getting bad and bad and bad and bad. And then that's when you see like aging, like really kicking in, you know, because when you start feeling bad, and that's why I saw, that's why I believe actually that that that's true, that meditation can help you a lot with the telomeres uh, and with aging, is because you're just suppressing so much and the, the energetic charge is so big that will start to get, um, it will start to become somatic, you know, it will start to have repercussions in your organs, in your in your in, in your health in general you know uh but it always comes to a point like for me what i realized and i see this with my grandpa uh, with my grandpa uh is that it has to do more with a place of i want i i, I want to deny that i'm getting old and another thing is like uh having just a youth mentality in a way that i just love myself i love to live life to the fullest um, and and it's like he still thinks as he he was thinking when he was 20 years old, but he's not he's not um, um, he's not resisting of the fact that he's getting old, you know. And he knows and he accepts it, but it's like in the terms of like mind, it's like I still have a couple of years um, in me, so I'm gonna leave them as the fullest as I can, you know. Um, and I think that also helped me a lot uh, because that's also something that I had. Uh, and when I was more operating in a more low vibration state, so to speak, um, when I was more in apathy, because that's what happened to me. I was very, a very apathic person. 
um, in the past before I went through the all the TM process. I was completely down. Uh, was was very very bad, um, and I was in this very apathetic state uh, that I just um, just basically numbed everything that I possibly could because I didn't want to to confront that same uh, aspect of us that, that it's mortality and um, because if I did it, uh, the problem is that if I confronted that same mortality, that means that I have an end time. Uh, and if I have a hand time, um, I'm, I had to confront myself that I was wasting, although that's what I'm, I was thinking in, in at the time, like, because we are not wasting any time. Uh, but it's like I was wasting my time uh, on not working towards my ideal life. And the more I, I, I confronted that, the more I saw that I was not doing and then this feeling of guilt will just flood my body so i was like okay i'm not gonna think about it it's like oh i still have time you know and that and you enter this mentality of i always i will have time i don't do it today i'll do it tomorrow no problem um and you'd start finding these excuses in your head it's like yeah i i, I mean i i do I, I work like 12 year 12 hours a day i can chill for today i'll do it tomorrow no problem uh, and then tomorrow comes and it's like, oh, maybe I will do it another day. Actually, I need to do some stuff at home, uh, you know, and then a friend calls, hey, do you want to have a go for a drink? It's like, oh, I need to. Actually, it's better for me to go for a drink than to dive into this because uh, I actually need to be with my friends and I need to escape a little bit. And this is very dangerous when you are like the word escape, then it, you're fucked. It's like, I need to escape this. I need to escape my problems just to be willing to be um, okay, you know, and you're like looking for the solution outside. When we discussed in TM, you're like just looking for the, the in the environment, just like the social gatherings. You just go out, you have some drinks with your friends and, you know, you don't have to think about your problems. And that was me, you know, and then it came to a point that I just came to this so bad state of apathy um that i was just completely like uh, dead to the world and it was it was super scary and this this really hit me once uh, i was working in a restaurant as a head chef uh and uh the general manager of the place just calls me uh to the office um and i just go there and he says like Rick, uh, is everything uh, going good with you and i'm like yeah why why are you asking like and it's like, I don't know, I look at you and I, I cannot see if you're feeling bad or feeling good. I, I cannot see nothing in your face. I cannot see nothing. I'm just worried that you're not doing good. Uh, I just wanted to see if you if there's something that I can help you with. And that I just strike me like immediately like uh, that I was just not living. I was just existing. Um, and that's when I started trying to work on myself um but it's just to say that um that's what a lot of people do especially in terms of aging you know it's like they don't want to get in their heads they are getting old and life will come to an end because that means that um they've been wasting their time with things that actually don't matter and and julian also does that when 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 we did like death meditation is like 
they come to their deathbed and it's like, oh, I should have do more. I should have spend more time with people that matter. I should do this or that. And then, and that that guilt is like, it's completely unbearable, you know. And people to try to understand that it's just it's too much for them, so they just try to to shove it out of their awareness and then just live life like you know, like oh, I don't like birthdays. It's like not. Uh, uh, it's not like a big thing for me or, you know, I'm not getting old. I still, I can still do things. I can still walk like 30 minutes uh, in the mountains uh, when I'm going to be like 90 years old. It's not a problem. Uh, and it's like you always enter in this uh, thing that you're just, um, just basically um, closing your eyes to, to reality, you know, and not, and not accepting that part of the world. Of of life, basically, you know. I also yeah. see it in my family. But, uh... I even had this experience. Like I had not this one, but more of the opposite. So I was confronted a lot with death uh, in my profession uh, from two sides. One of them being, uh, I really love Baroque music, and death is like one of the main things there. Uh, it's portrayed not in a bad light it's portrayed as this is going to happen and this is the transition to my other life right uh so i'm also guessing people at that time had like really bad lives and and you can't compare like the quality to what we have today so there was even a positive connotation there but also like all the grief and everything that's going on everything was put under the mantle of god and the other thing uh, that was confronting me a lot was every other week I would have to play a uh, funeral. So I was working as a musician and I would like play 30 funerals per year, maybe. Uh, this was part of my job. And I know like the first one that I played hit really hard emotionally and just dragged me down for like three hours. And I was having these thoughts in my head. And, and then later it was it just developed to be a part of life. And I noticed it's not a part of life for the rest of society because so many people are not confronted with death and they don't have thoughts because ultimately I think everyone who sees um, the finity of life, so it's not infinite, it's, it's really uh, finite, right? You have a certain amount of time and then that's it. Why don't you make the best of your time? And even me knowing that, I wasn't always making the best of my time. I really have to admit it. Also, a couple of days ago, I, I thought about it again. And that I just thought this this whole ego part, you know, like all of these things that accumulated, I just used them to be righteous or to always win an argument or to be the best or to be, you know, whatever. Uh, and even being confronted with so much death and being confronted on a regular basis, I somehow managed to escape a little bit from this uh, confrontation that life is actually just a limited amount of time that we have and I could make the best of it, but I somehow chose not to. Yeah, it did, basically you, you desensitize yourself to, to death, basically. It's like not looking at that part. And I think that's extremely beneficial for people to do. Um, although most of the times that I say this, they, they look at me with a funny face and they just say like, just fuck off. It's just to really think about death. Uh, that's something that I do, by the way. Uh, like every couple of 
like once a week or something i really dive into to that like that i'm i'm gonna die like it's it, it, it's like it's already done it's already part of the contract when you get into this world you already signed the contract that you're gonna die you know um it's like an expired date you know like the same with food you have like an expired date you also have although we don't know what is our expired date that's true um, and food you often might eat afterwards even if the date is expired exactly do exactly. it at your own risk <laughs> yes 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 we don't we don't accept any liability for it yeah <laughs> uh but yeah it's um yeah but it's something that it's uh and you see it there are some cultures that had it very very ingrained in them um if you see the samurai culture that was big thing for them uh they will meditate about death basically every single day especially uh uh before any battle um because that's the life of a samurai you know you are born for battle almost the same as a viking uh but they had like this mentality of really um think about death um and if you do it um of course you can always go the the nihilistic uh, approach and you say like fuck this fuck that like fuck everything uh and what's the point uh you know but it also can bring you if if you do the right internal work like releasing and letting go um anything that it's uh getting triggered inside of you and when you think about death and that was a big shift for me because when i was thinking when i started doing this exercise I'll get like major anxiety attacks, like panic attacks. I couldn't breathe. I was just here at home, hyperventilating uh, for like one hour uh, without like, like in pure panic, like in pure panic. Uh, and now when I think about it, uh, I feel kind of relieved. And also it helps you to put the perspective that yes, you're gonna die. Um, so, just enjoy it like just if you already know it like it's just now you can just enjoy you know and and also understanding that there's no meaning to life um this is can can sound very uh very off if i say like oh it, there's yeah. no meaning to life and it's like but but what no no meaning to life because that's also what tends to 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 block a lot of people is that they, they they try to find always the meaning in life and they have to have a meaning because if not what's the point and it's no it's like there's no meaning in life there's no universal meaning in life and that's the most beautiful thing actually it's like and and, and as julian says you are like in this thin line between nihilism and enlightenment you know and it's just to to start actually realizing that if there's no meaning in life or like any like exactly meaning of life that means that you can make your own meaning of life and you can always change it also it's because it's it's never it's it's something that you that you can always change it's it's nothing that it's a, a dogma you know it's not like something that it's it's this and period you know it's no it's it's something that can fluctuate um and that that's extremely liberating when you look at it like that you know it's like that you're gonna die uh, and there's no meaning to all of this all of this thing you know um you're just this 
group of atoms that gain conscious and now it's living in a floating rock in the middle of nothingness, infinite nothingness, like we're just floating in a fucking rock in the middle of nothing. And it's just like, just enjoy the life, you know, just enjoy uh, this, this journey in this floating rock um, to the fullest um, and make your own meaning out of it. Um, and yeah, and of course it will get triggered as hell uh, once you start doing that that work. But uh, but by doing mindfulness meditation, releasing um, all of those limiting beliefs, they are creating that that attachment uh, and resistance that we talked about it uh, alive. Uh, you're gonna see that it's so simple, you know. And for me, one one thing that helped me quite a lot it was to become a father. Um, that really like. I think that's, and we talked a little about in the call with Brandon, with Julian, and it's it's just crazy. It gets completely shocking when you see like the reality of a child, uh, and you realize that something in your path just fucked you up um, in certain a certain level, because life is not that complicated, you know. Like for my kid, one of her favorite plays was just to collect rocks. You will get she will get like completely crazy about it. Like she will just being in the garden collecting rocks and going, Daddy, look at this rock. It looks like an elephant. And I'm looking to a rock and it's just like this cylindrical rock without any shape and nothing. And I'm just looking at there. But like you see the joy in the life in their eyes, you know? You just see like beaming life of their eyes. And it's like just it's like, yeah, actually, it is awesome. Like life, it is awesome. It's not, it's not this. Uh, hydro type of thing we like that is pursuing us and it's it's no nothing there's that, that this is so simple and if you see like animals also like if you see dogs for example they are like just happy you know like of course we cannot we cannot put that label weird because we are anthropomorphizing dogs if we say like happy because our concept of happy it's uh it's linked to to a human experience yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you cannot tell, but 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 it is like, but it, it it is happiness, you know. In biological level, in terms of hormones, dogs feel happy, and and you can see it, um, and they are happy with with such little things, you know, like with just a rub in their belly, and then they're like happy, and it, you made their day, you know. Yeah. For us, we are just like, oh, for me to be happy, I need to have the money I do to success, relationships, I need this, I need that. And it's like, you know, if I don't have this, I'm going to die. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be expelled from my house. I'm going to be like smoking crack in an alley uh, somewhere. It's like, no, it's doesn't going to happen, you know. Um, life is way simpler. So for me, it was also being a dad also helped me to connect that also and making me see that Although my time is finite and I'm going to live life, uh, it's, uh, um, I'm going to actually enjoy it uh, even more because I know that it's finite. So it's, 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 just, it's just for me to, to be, it's, it's a blessing for us to be alive actually. Although it's finite, you if if we analyze like statistics most and if you combine every single gen every single everything like 
most of the people that could exist don't exist. You know, like the amount of people that can that can exist mm-hmm. don't exist because, like, if you if you say like I'm gonna make every possible uh, uh, combination of genes and uh, you know uh, and like chains of carbons and and make like this uh, biological structure that it's a human um, you can make way more um, but it's but it's most of them that don't exist whatsoever like the the, the odds of you being alive is just it's mental. If you see the the odds of you being alive, taking in consideration also the universe um, and its size and the magnitude of the universe, is just a, f- a huge blessing for you to be here. So why not take advantage of it? You know, like why not taking advantage of the the fact that you can actually have as little as it can be the time you can actually have that time because there were. Uh, people that didn't have that opportunity, uh, you know, like there was beings that didn't have that opportunity of having that same time, um, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah, definitely. So what actually made you realize? I know I asked this question already once before, but I think it's such a beautiful answer. I have to ask it again. What made you realize, like fr- from the moment where you were in apathy to the place where you are now, where you say, yeah, come on, let's go, let's take advantage. What what was like the spark? The spark, um, first of all, was re- re- when you hit rock bottom, There's a, you have a ceiling of success, but you also have a ceiling of basically failure. When you really, when you touch that, uh, that um, that level usually you tend to take action, uh, and for me hitting that rock bottom helped me a little bit of thinking like if there's anything that I can do because at apathy you're like not thinking about it is like you just gave up on life, um, and that was like I was like okay uh, I don't see any point of this but let's just look um, if there's something that can help me with this and that's when I bump into Julian uh, and hearing his story uh, really really helped me quite a lot because I saw this extremely su- successful guy living this uh, really cool life being completely carefree uh, being able to be himself fully uh, and coming from this place of pure despair also uh, made me realize that hey wait a minute I can see his journey and I recognize that that if he if he was able to do it uh, to come out of it that that means that I, I also can you know because he's human it's like he's human and if if he can do it I, I can also do it maybe not at the extent as he did it but I can actually get better you know like that and for that, they gave me like this just a tiny, tiny piece of hope, um, you know. Uh, and this and this hope was enough to for me to be able to move uh, towards uh, changing, you know, because that's the thing. And, and I see a lot of people when when I'm looking to the TM groups, 
um, and people saying like, hey, I'm, feel, I'm not feeling nothing. Uh, I think I'm in apathy. And what I usually tend to say to them is like, um, you can be in a certain extent of apathy, but you are not in apathy, you know, because someone that is in pure apathy wouldn't even be here. Like you wouldn't be uh, looking for help, you know, and if you are already looking for help and if someone hears this uh, or comes across with this uh, thing, with this podcast is if you think that you're in apathy, but you feel that uh, you need to change, you are not in apathy. You know, it's there's still hope yeah, and, and you still have because you, you already have it in you, you know, like you already know that you can change. And that's what helped me quite a lot, you know, and hearing him also say, Julian say like, look after and, and then I enter in the mentoring and the first call, he just looked me in the eyes and said like, look, uh, why do you think that you're in apathy to start with? Because if you were in apathy, that means that this, that this opportunity wouldn't even come, um, uh, wouldn't be able, you, you wouldn't even uh, perceive this op opportunity at all. It's like not even part of your world. Um, so for me, that was like the big, big uh, catalyst for my change to realize that, wait a minute, actually there's something that I can do to, to come out of it. Um, and yeah, after that was just a matter of like going through the process, trust the process and just, um, you know, and just start having some skin in the game. And, and then after that was just, um, then you just start seeing results and then that propels you even more. You know, and, and then you start realizing that, wait a minute, um, actually I was always abundant. Uh, I will just did this. I was just conditioned in this way of believing that I was incomplete somehow. Um, and once you realize that, it's like you just open. It's like that analogy of a monster. You open the closet. You say that there's a monster, but when you open the closet, you actually see that there's no monster inside it, you know? And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, actually didn't have any monster inside of it. And it's like, and then you're free from it. But but for me, it was kind of hard going through that. But uh, but I think that uh, that was the big, uh, the big shift for me, was to see someone uh, make it through. And speaking about it very, very openly without any bullshit, uh, and that for me was a big, big changer, uh, was the amount of authenticity that I saw in Julian, uh, because I follow quite a lot of people and I always, uh, I was always connected with personal development because also I was uh, inside of neurobiology and, and I always had this propel, uh, I always had this interest of trying to learn um, why we think the way we think. Uh, and most of of life coaches and personal development gurus, so to speak, they always only speak about the positive, um, and they they kind of deviate you from the 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 struggle, or even or what they also do uh, in the other aspect, that they just propel this state of anger because most of the people are in fear, uh, so they they try to propel them to anger. Because anger, and and it's actually helpful if you want to move up, from example, from fear uh, that it's more basal state than 
anger and you will have more access to energy. But the problem is that you always propelling the same state and you will actually reinforce that same state and then it doesn't help. And seeing Julian uh, speaking super open about it is like saying like, guys, this is about enlightenment. It's like, it's not like butterflies and rainbows. It's like, it's not think positive. Fuck that. It's actually just dive into it. Uh, just face your inner demons, process what, need, what you need to process, let go what you need to let go, and realize that you are you were you will we you were always um, good enough to start with, you know. And and having this perspective, uh, it made me realize that actually it's like to see someone saying it for me like really hit me in the face. Like wait a minute, you, you say that. I am good enough. I just have things that made me believe that I'm not. Wait a minute. So what the hell are those things? Now I want to know, you know, and it's like, and you enter this phase of like, wait a minute, like, let's me, let me just try to, to work through it, you know, like, let me try to understand what it's behind it. And then after that is just, yeah, it was just, uh, it's just building momentum and really start uh diving into your subconscious of course it was hard as hell you know but but uh but having someone that showed that was that was feasible for me was big was a big um was a big eye opener you know because it's it's harder to change when you don't see um when you don't see no one uh doing it or or, or you only see people doing it uh, having it so so easily, you know, uh, and for me it was like that, you know, like I was so I was always surrounded with people that were confident and very sociable. Now, although I know I understand, now I see that most of them are just putting a putting a mask. It's not coming from a, a very authentic place. It's coming from a scarcity place, or just this putting this front of there. They are confident because they really don't want to for people to see their problems. Uh, but for me at the time was like, no, actually I see these people just being sociable. Why I cannot be like this? And you know, and it's like uh, something is missing in me. And and all of a sudden I see this guy from Switzerland saying, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with you. You just made believe that there's something wrong with you, but actually it isn't. Uh, it's not your fault. And that's a big thing for people in apathy. If you, And it's a good, uh, advice, not if you're other states, but to something in apathy, if you say to say that, wait a minute, it's not your fault. It, 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 that really, really helped me. It was like, wait a minute, then the, all of this time I was like this, but it wasn't my fault. So that means that um, that's still, there's still hope, you know, and then, and then that's when you become open to change. And that's when I started this DM journey, you know. Amazing, man, it's it's an amazing story. Uh, it's amazing journey that you went through. Thanks, man. Thanks for sharing. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure, man, seriously. No, every time I speak to you, I, I learn something new. So thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome, man, you're welcome. That's why you're here for it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. No, it's also really, really inspiring. Like I never had 
any comparable situation like i also had a lot of places where i felt bad but i never felt like really really bad or like really really at the bottom um and there's definitely other shades to it to to what i felt and uh just listening to you share it it's it's been profound so thank you thank you man thank you you know it was a pleasure to to go there also <laughs> you know i'm sure we will have another talk i know you have to go i have to go as well at this point uh but i think it was a beautiful ending that we got yes. right there so um enrique thank you so so much thank you man thank you thank you for having me and to to be willing to to listen to this uh crazy portuguese guy yeah it, it, he is crazy but he's good crazy you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we are all crazy man that's what makes us unique you know that's that's the beauty of it yeah exactly man we're just a bunch of crazy people talking about crazy stuff yeah but it's all very simple in the end it's not, not yeah. so crazy yeah exactly exactly and that's the the thing like it's it's way simpler than it than it seems you know it's hard but it's simple it's like you said as children we knew it but somewhere along the way we just forgot about it yeah we just remember ourselves you know yeah and as, as julian says i'm uh, and i leave it with this is a uh, the, the the thing here is not to is not to fake it until you make it, but it's act real until you remember. You know? Yeah. So that's what we need to do is just act real until we remember that life is not that complicated. And we got it. We got it's it. real. Enrique, thanks so much. Have a Thank great, you, my man. Have a great time and see yeah. you. You nice too, man. I'll see you. Bye.